So the last couple of days, we have seen more and more teases of an All Elite Wrestling and New Japan partnership, and I think it's happening. We're going to talk about it next on the Squared Circle Cycle Battle. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, we saw Orange Cassidy teasing he wants to be in the best of the Super Juniors. We saw Evil Uno saying he wants to be in the World Tag League. Jericho mentioning New Japan. The Young Bucks mentioning the... New Japan when they were there back five years ago on Instagram, while El Fantasmo on Twitter said that he had a recent workout that was dynamite. So are these teases that AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling will have a partnership? Look, I would like to see a partnership just as much as the next person. I think that in one way or another, we'll get something. I, I don't I don't know how often this is actually going to happen. I don't know at what level or what stage. But I mean, to be honest with you, it just makes sense for this to happen. And we've talked about this in the past. So New Japan Pro Wrestling, before the pandemic hit, we knew that one of their big goals was to increase their westward expansion, become more prominent in in America. And with the pandemic happening, we know there's certain limitations on that, that uh, going and working with the talent in AEW uh, it seems to make sense because AEW right now is probably the second biggest pro- promotion within the United States. Uh, they're not going to be able to go work in WWE. It's just not going to happen. Um, I, I think that this will happen to what extent I don't know. I think that long term, if they decide to do this, the more often they try to do this, it'll only end up in disaster and issues internally for both companies. Uh, so I think as long as they keep this to a limited role, maybe once a year for big cards, I think that's the best way to make this work. Well, you see, the thing is, New Japan Pro Wrestling is always forming some kind of partnership with American promotions. We've seen it before with WWE. We have seen it before with WCW, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor. And now it seems like there's at least a tease more on AEW side than New Japan side of a partnership with All Elite Wrestling. I'm going to disagree with you saying that it doesn't have to happen that much where it's like maybe one time on a supercard. I think it, it could benefit both if there's a lot more to it than just a one-off like super card show. You look at New Japan Pro Wrestling, one of their big things that they take pride in is the fact that they have the dojo and wrestlers can train basically like how NXT is to WWE, the dojo is to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, AEW does not have some form of training or at least like a, their own NXT, their own developmental. So you can help those that need the reps, those that are a little bit green. They're getting the reps on dark, but they could probably get more and learn more being in the dojo. A great example of that is Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson's a guy that came from NXT as CJ Parker, went to New Japan Pro Wrestling, could have been in New Japan's main circuit instantly, but he decided to do the dojo, and I think he greatly benefited from that. Now imagine AEW does form a partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they have some guys that are a little bit on the green side working the dojo. I agree with everything you said, and it sounds great, but the problem is this. There's two things in professional wrestling that uh, the professional wrestlers want. JR has said this in, in his books and in many podcasts. Do you know what those two things are? The two C's? Championships? Got to be one of them. Creative and cash. Those two things speak more prominently to professional wrestlers than just about anything else. If you can fix those two things or present them in a meaningful way to any professional wrestler, 
you can get them to do um, pretty much, I wouldn't say whatever you want them to do, but it'd be a lot easier to get them to do what you want them to do. Now, when I talk about creative, I mean this. If you are now going to have this where New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to partner with AEW, and it sounds great on paper and we all want to see it, but here's the problem. You bring all these professional wrestlers in from Japan. Now you have the likes of Okada, Naito, a bunch of big name guys, Jay White, whoever. Those guys come in. Now they're working with AEW. They are taking spots away from certain professional wrestlers in AEW. That means less creative to go around. And when there's less creative going around for certain professional wrestlers, all types of crazy things happen in professional wrestling. There's politics. There's egos. The history of professional wrestling has proven this time and time again. When people don't get their way creatively or they, they can't necessarily politic their way into a certain position because there's only so, so many positions at the top in professional wrestling, crazy things have happened. I'll give you a few examples. The Montreal Screwjob. Everybody knows what happened there. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Bret Hart did not want to drop the title to Shawn Michaels. In the main event, it led to probably one of the biggest scandals in professional wrestling history. But that was also what? an internal issue. That was not... Dealing with two different promotions. It happened because of... I'll give you some internal issues. We'll get to that. But it happened because of creative differences. And that's the main point I'm driving home here. If you're going to now include people from different promotions, now who gets the final say in a main event? Who decides who's going to go over? What if one of the people involved in that main event do not want to lose that that, that main event there? That's pretty much what happened with the Montreal Screwjob. So... Looks all good on the surface. You're talking about the dojo. People get to train. They get to get their reps. Sure, you can paint a pretty picture and put a bow on it, but let's be honest. That's not how it works in professional wrestling. I'll give you more examples. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Do you remember who he did not want to lose to? And Infamous took his ball and went home. He didn't have a problem with the person he was losing to. It was just the reason when it was happening. And that you're talking yes. about Brock Lesnar and the King of the yep. Ring. It had nothing to do with him losing to Brock Lesnar. It was because it was happening on a random episode of Raw in the first round of the King of the Ring tournament instead of the finals of the pay-per-view that would have sold more. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a politic move. I wouldn't call that... Uh, Creative differences? Can we agree it's creative differences? To an extent, dis- yes. A dis- yes. We had a, yes. You had it a big creative star. differences. You had a big star right? But who again, did not want to lose in the way that you wanted him to lose. He did not want to lose to Brock Lesnar in that way. Right. So but because also- there was a creative difference, Stone Cold Steve Austin decided to take his ball and go home. But again, you're bringing up stuff that happened internally. What about an example of where two promotions this happened to with two promotions? This, this, is, this is my point. If it's going to happen internally in a business... Right. What makes you think this isn't going to happen when now you're introducing multiple companies? PAC. PAC is an example. He went to AEW. He had a longstanding uh, record, however long it was, where he did not lose to anybody since losing to WWE. He was supposed to have a really big match. I believe it was at Double or Nothing. He ended up not having that match against Hangman Page. Why was that? Because at the time, Dragon Gate did not want to have him lose because he was undefeated. Okay. Another example I will give you where there was two companies involved in this. Now, Hulk Hogan, we know all of the politics or all of the accusations that have been brought up against Hulk Hogan. Now, when you go back to the very beginning of Hulk Hogan's career, when he was in the AWA, and I brought this up before, 
He did not, uh, Nick Botwinkle did not want to drop the title to Hogan. There was always some type of shenanigans to keep the belt off of Hogan. Mm -hmm. uh, people can go back and, and look into that story. We don't need to rehash it here. Now, what happened was Vince McMahon came to Hulk Hogan and they said to him, look, if you come to the WWF, we'll make you the champion, we'll make you the top guy. Ultimately, he left because of creative differences. Now, Hulk Hogan would then go on to WCW later on in his career, and many guys, Rey Mysterio, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, a mass exodus of some of the you know, smaller guys, up-and-comers, left because of creative differences. So the main point I'm trying to drive home with this is this. Whether it's CM Punk, whether it's Austin Aries, who decides he's going to no-sell for um, John Morrison on, on Impact, no matter what company, WWF, WWE, A AWA, professional wrestling, egos, politics, they've, they've reared their ugly head so many times. So as much as I'd like to see this, and I think they can make this work, I'm not trying to be negative on it, but we have to get past the fact of, okay, well, great, we'll get Kenny Omega and, and Okada and it'll be a five-star match. It'd be great if five-star matches were the way that the bills get paid, but that's simply not the way a business actually works. People look at the professional wrestling industry and they say, okay, well, what's happening in the ring really kind of determines how successful the business is. No, it still comes down to money. It still comes down to profit. It still comes down to revenue. And unless you can get the professional wrestlers all on the same page, which it's hard enough to do with one company, now you're bringing in some top guys from another company, from another promotion. What makes you think they're going to all play nice and just go along with everything and it's going to be sunshines and rainbows? Once a year, big card, okay, maybe it works. The more times you try to do this, the more issues and the more politics and the more egos get involved. And I, I just see it not working in the long term. Okay. Well, you bring up all these different situations where internal politics have created some kind of creative control issue and someone was not in a bad situation or someone was in a bad situation. But let's talk about when there are two promotions forming together and they have big name talents involved. New Japan Pro Wrestling, their biggest tournament of the year is the G1 Climax, correct? We can agree on that. Correct. Yes. Okay. So there have been multiple wrestlers that have come outside of New Japan Pro Wrestling to participate in the G1 Climax. In the early 90s, in the first few years of the G1 Climax, WCW had several of their wrestlers be in the G1 Climax. 1992, the finals, the winner of the G1 Climax in the 1992 tournament won the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Did a WCW guy win the G1 Climax? No. Rick Rude lost to Masahiro Chono. So it happens. You are eventually going to have some guys lose when they're in the other promotion. Big name in AEW is John Moxley. How did John Moxley do in the G1 Climax last year? He he did not do very good towards the tail end of that, but you also have we, we right, could probably right. And who was his first loss? Who was his first loss in the G one climax? Uh, was it Juice? It was not no, Juice. He beat Juice. No, was he lost to Juice. He lost to Juice in his last night. Archer was in the other block. It was Toro Yano, which is the equivalent of Orange Cassidy okay. being Chris Jericho. So so this this is going to be the next thing I'm going to bring up. Now, the instance you're bringing up the G1 Climax, if they were to do that, a big tournament, okay, great. I think that can certainly work. If they're going to do it once a year, that's fine. What I'm talking about is long-term, and 
the longer this goes on, the more it goes on, the more frequently it happens, that's when you open the door for the creative control issues and politics and things of that nature. Do you think John Moxley would go participate in the G1 and lose to Yano the, the same way that John Moxley right now that we're talking about, the heavyweight champion of AEW, do you think Tony Khan should let him go to New Japan, participate in the G1 and lose to guys like that? Your answer, if you're a smart businessman, if you say anything other than no and try to justify it, you shouldn't be running professional wrestling. He already did it. He already did it. As the champion. As the champion, champion, but. That's what I'm saying. This version of John John Moxley today, right now, as we have this discussion, do you think that, do you think that, okay, let's, let's suppose Vince McMahon allows his top champion. Let's, let's, let's pretend Brock Lesnar is the universal champion. Mm-hmm. Would he should he be allowed to go and participate in the G one and lose to somebody that is is a comedy character like that? Would you allow that to happen as a, as a business owner? Probably not. I, I'll agree Why? with you. Pro- probably not because Brock Lesnar should not be losing to Toro Yano. So I'll... this this is this is the point I'm going to bring up now. This is the other issue I foresee with this booking. Who has the last say? Who has the deciding factor? Who who's decides pro- who's going? Whose card to go is over? it? Whose card is it? If it's the G1 Thank Climax, you. New Japan Pro Wrestling has the final say. If it's on an AEW pay-per-view, they have the final say. So look what, at look at if, look at look at all out. Thunder Rosa. People are saying, oh, this should have gone to a time limit draw. They should have protected Thunder Rosa. She lost clean. Do we hear anything about NWA bitching that their world's women's champion lost to Karushita clean? No, no but- because they got eyeballs to their product regardless. But we're talking we're talking about situations here where now the more this happens, okay, let's say they bring Okada over. Some of okay. one of their top guys. And you say, okay, we're gonna bring him over and we're gonna have you lose to Jericho clean. What if what if Okada says no, I'm not gonna do that? What if what if the owner of New Japan Pro Wrestling says no, we're not gonna have our top talent go there? The more that they do this, that uh, this is the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm simply pointing out that the the history of professional wrestling has proven time and time again. That when you get politics involved and you get egos involved, it doesn't always go as smoothly as you'd like. And that's at an internal level and an external level when you try to have multiple companies work together. I, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make here. So whether it's the talent, whether it's the people who are going to make the decisions, who's booking the matches, it's very easy for somebody from another rival company to say, yeah, we're going to work together. But then when it comes down to the actual booking, one of the most important things in professional wrestling, and it doesn't happen as often as maybe as it should nowadays, is protecting your gimmick, protecting your, your gimmick, your stance, your where you are currently ranked in the professional wrestling industry and how people view you. So if you're a guy like John Moxley, you know, top of the industry, PWI number one, heavyweight champion in AEW, now you're going to be expected to go over to Japan and lose to their top guy. If he doesn't want to do that, then what? Your, your partnership, it's not, as, it's not as easy as people are making it seem. Yeah, it's great to look at it and say, this is going to be something really cool that can happen. And it would be great if they could make it work. But it's not as easy as people are making it seem. Okay, well, Chris Jericho last year was at the time in the AEW World Championship match at All Out in August. Before he got to that match in August, he did face Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. He lost. Jericho didn't yeah. care because he had a match with Where the was greatest AEW wrestler then? in the world. Where was AEW then? It was right after Double or Nothing. In its infancy? Before it was yeah. the number two wrestling promotion in the United States of America? People probably people were putting that at number two even before they had a show. So, 
Okay. Well, realistically speaking, with, yes. with actual numbers and yes, everything yes. to back it up. Right. I mean, okay. It, well, what about Ring of Honor? They've had a partnership with Ring of Honor for years, and you never really hear anything about, you know, bad politics between, you know, the Gorilla of Destiny winning the tag titles in Ring of Honor or the Briscoes winning them in New Japan or the Young Bucks or whoever when they had a talent share. I think the only time where you really saw negative with New Japan and a partnership was Impact. And that was because they were having guys like Kazuchika Okada dressing up like the Green Hornet sidekick. Exactly, though. that These, these are but the examples it's, it's, you're bringing it's more, up. But it's more often that New Japan has more positive relationships with other promotions than negative. And that's what I'm I, saying. And I'm, it's not, I'm not trying to knock New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I'm certainly not trying to knock the idea of AEW working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm simply pointing out that as... as, as as people as people try to sit back and paint this pretty picture on it and say, you know, this partnership could be great and it could be something that works out really well, it certainly could. But there's also room for certain issues to be happening between both the companies, whether it's booking, talent, uh, money, who's going to go over on any particular night, championships, protecting your ego, protecting your status. I mean, those are those are some of the most important things. It happens at an internal level in a lot of promotions. And you've heard, you've, we've heard about instances of this. I mean, when you talk about, I don't know, John Cena and the golden shovel, whether you believe in that triple H Hulk Hogan's. I mean, when you, when you talk about that stuff and you look at the examples, who's to say that it can't happen. I feel like a lot of times we like to pretend that AEW just operates in its own bubble there. And it, it's untouchable from all these other things that have happened throughout the, the history of professional wrestling. I'm not saying it can't work and I'm not saying it won't work. I'm simply pointing out that if it's going to work, I do have concerns that can certainly rear its ugly head. All right. Well, here's the one thing. Here's the closing argument that I'm going to have here. You brought up earlier on that New Japan Pro Wrestling wants to expand westward to the United States and stuff like that. Now, they were supposed to have a show at Madison Square Garden this year that was obviously canceled due to the pandemic. It's rescheduled to 2021. Sure. Could we agree? that the first time they sold out Madison Square Garden was because people assumed when they were buying their tickets, they were getting Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Cody on that card. Yes. I think that the the idea and the thought for most people is that you were going to get Omega and Okada. Okay. So now New Japan Pro Wrestling goes to Madison Square Garden without those four. Do they sell out Madison Square Garden again? Without those four, without this without year, Kenny uh, in twenty twenty one, yep, just New Japan, not AEW, right? Just New Japan. Um, do they sell? Oof. I'm going to say that no. You're thinking because, about it, the fact that you're thinking about it makes me think that you're probably skeptical that they're doing it. Right, I don't think they could because it's just happened so few times. If you're not WWE, right, and it's it's not just because I mean they have talent. It's not like they have the lack of yeah. talent. It's just that you know they're coming from Japan. Not a lot of people know them unless you're a diehard wrestling fan. Sure. So those that are going to buy tickets probably already know the product. It's not like you're going to, you have quote unquote household names there to sell the, the seats. Isn't that something that AEW could benefit from and New Japan? Because let's face it, I think AEW wants to get into the garden somehow. Why not piggyback off of New Japan Pro Wrestling and make that a joint card and get into Madison Square Garden? Right inside yeah. the quote unquote home of WWE. Absolutely. And, th- and those are the certain situations. Like I said, I feel like if they try to do one big card every year, you're protecting your, your, you're protecting yourself from having the egos and the politics and the issues 
come up and rear its ugly head. That that that's the main thing. I feel like if they try to do this on like a monthly pay-per-view basis or however long, you know, multiple times throughout the year, that's when you really open the door for those issues to kind of work its way in. So if you in in the sense that you're talking about, yeah, I think that can work. Um, the thing that you all only other point I want to make with this is when it comes to creative and when it comes to pay-per-views and cards like that, unless they plan to do like multiple nights. If you had a situation where now you decide to bring in New Japan Pro Wrestling and some of their top tier talent, okay, you also have to assume that, you know, it's going to be like a four hour pay-per-view. You're going to get the Bucks. You're going to get Jericho. You're going to get Hangman. You're going to get Kenny. You probably get MJF. But now you open the door for your own guys under contract to be disgruntled because, hey, look, maybe double or nothing, they're going to promote New Japan Pro Wrestling versus AEW. Well, what happens to some of the guys that are up and coming? What happens to your Orange Cassidy's? What happens to your Jungle Boys, your Darby Allens? Did they get a spot on the card? Your Marrows, your Brian Cages? This is where these issues can start to, to, to uh, lay the foundation for issues going forward, where guys are now disgruntled. Hey, I'm here every single day. You hear this all the time from fans. Look, The Rock wants to come back in main event, WrestleMania against Roman Reigns, what are people going to say? Oh, a part-time wrestler coming there, taking somebody's spot. Now, granted, these guys aren't part-time, but they're not contracted to AEW and they're not there on a weekly basis. So let's say all of a sudden, double or nothing, you've got this super card that they're promoting. Who do you leave off of that? And do those people get upset? I I, want to see this work. I want to see it happen. And I think that the fans would certainly benefit from this. I'm just saying at at one point or another, if this is going to be a long-term thing, there will be some issues that people are going to come to realize. I think the way you get around that is, this, and this will actually help with the audience getting too tired of a certain character, have them rotate between tours. You know, have a chunk of New Japan guys come into the United States and work six months between yep. Dynamite and pay-per-views. And you, in exchange, bring some uh, all-elite wrestling guys to New Japan and work a couple of their tours. And that way you keep the product fresh for both shows. And I think that's where talent sharing does its best. Are you going to get Okada? Are you going to get Jericho? Are you going to get Moxley in these tours? No, but maybe you could bring a guy like Juice Robinson in for six months. You could bring in a guy like Will Ospreay for six months on New Japan side. In exchange, you bring over Mero, you bring over Brody Lee, Lance Archer to New Japan, guys that want to be there. And I think it benefits. And then when they come back, the AEW audience is like, oh my God, they return. And you you just create that like, absence makes a heart grow fond or whatever that saying is. That's what you could do with AEW and, and New Japan. I, I agree. I, I think there is a way to make this work. Yes. I'm just saying there, there are going to be certain sacrifices and issues that people are overlooking, I think. It's not going to be as easy as everybody thinks it is. It's, no. It, it's, still, it's still business. It still comes down to money, revenue, egos, politics. It's not any different than any other business. So, you know, I, I know we all want to see these dream matches, and I think we will get to see some of them. Um, but I, those are my concerns with the whole thing happening. I agree. And obviously, there are people that have their concerns, and they're going to mention them in the comments below. Don't forget to share this video all over social media, though. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. And to join the conversation, make sure you subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. For Ralph Valenti, my name is Michael Valenti. Thank you for watching this episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.